You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, Reds fans. Welcome back to yet another thrill-packed edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, coming to you once again on demand from Red Leg Nation World Headquarters, also known as my home office. Thanks for joining us again today. Really appreciate uh, you being with us and your loyal support of the podcast. Uh, subscribers on uh, iTunes are going up every single episode, and we do encourage you to go to iTunes, subscribe, to the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast, and you can also check out all the information, including all previous shows at the RN Radio tab at the top of redlegnation.com. Got a lot of interesting things to discuss today, and uh, a little later after we talk some of the current news, we're going to kick it old school a little bit, as the kids say these days. You know, the kids these days, they love that rock and roll music. Uh, that's what my parents and my parents' parents and all of used to say. Um, but uh, kicking it old school today means that we're going to give you an encore edition of Adam in Milwaukee, for those of you that haven't heard that yet. And let me tell you, if you've not heard that yet, it is the funniest thing you'll hear all week. Uh, yes, it involves Adam Dunn. I know about half of you are sick of Adam Dunn, but uh, this one's this one's funny. So stick around for that later. And then there's uh, another, uh, another old school uh, item later as well that we're going to bring to you. So uh, I think it's interesting stuff. Hope you'll stick around for all of that. Before we get into that, let's talk about what's going on with the Reds. And, uh, you know, it seems like every podcast, though, you have to lead off with the Joey Votto situation. It's uh, Everyone's wondering, uh, what's going on with Votto? Well, he's finally out on a rehab start, a uh, rehab assignment down in Sarasota. Uh, played six innings today at first base in Sarasota's game. And what's interesting about that is they sent uh, Votto down to Sarasota, high A ball, to do his rehab assignment. And then uh, it turns out, Tonight's game was the last game for Sarasota before the All-Star break. So it appears that Votto is going to be sticking around in Sarasota, playing in some of the inter-squad games going on down there, um, and uh, getting getting some at-bats, getting accustomed to being back on the field. May go to uh, Louisville or Carolina next. Frankly, I wish he'd go to Carolina uh, this weekend because uh, we're going to be watching, uh, taking the family. We're going to go see the Mudcats play against the Tennessee Smokies this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I wish Votto could be there, uh, but you know, still there are a lot of interesting uh, guys to watch on that uh, Carolina team. Uh, our spotlight player Logan Parker's there. Um, of course, Yonder Alonso, last year's first-round draft choice, and then of course uh, Zach Stewart, who's just uh, tearing the league apart down there. A lot of interesting guys there, so we're looking forward to seeing that. We'll have some pictures for you after that uh, after the weekend series is over, uh, and maybe before if I can. Uh, get them on the computer while we're while we're in the area other injury news uh looks like uh, Edison Volquez is stretching out he's uh thrown from 110 feet uh, I think moved up today to throwing from 120 feet long tosses and uh then he's supposed to be throwing off the mound hopefully sometime this weekend they're expecting Volquez to go on a rehab assignment as well either in Dayton or in Louisville which will be uh interesting to see I uh, hope it's soon because we really need uh, Volquez back, and, and not because Matt Maloney's uh, last start uh, in the series finale against the Braves was a rough one. Uh, Matt Maloney's uh, it was really the first bad start he's had, if you ask me. Uh, I think Maloney's going to be fine. I wouldn't mind seeing Maloney stick around in the bullpen, uh, to be honest with you, when Volquez comes back. Uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the, the pitching in just a moment. 
But it's good news that Volquez is getting closer, at least. Edwin Encarnacion, I, you know, I don't know how much closer he's getting. Uh, he's he's swinging the bat, and he's saying there's no no more pain in that wrist. Um, and he's hoping to go out on a, a minor league rehab start, stint, perhaps as soon as this weekend. That'd be good. Uh, need, we really desperately, if you've watched the offense lately, desperately need Edwin Encarnacion and Joey Votto back in the lineup. And... Uh, you know, if the Reds can hang around, as they have been doing, they had a rough uh, couple weeks here before taking two of three from the Braves. And even the, this series, really, uh, you could see the the rough spots, uh, the weaknesses in this Reds lineup. It's the lineup. It's not the pitching. The pitching's been, by and large, outstanding. Um, the, the bullpen's been unbelievable. Finally got rid of Michael Lincoln. Um, Lincoln went on the disabled list with... Uh, a bulging ERA, I believe, or maybe that was a bulging disc. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but his ERA of uh, around nine really didn't help matters. Um, if he's really injured, you know, let's get him get him healthy, get him get him back. Uh, you know, a healthy Mike Lincoln is can help the bullpen. He's not ever going to be a, a setup guy or a, or a back of the bullpen type guy, but he's a guy that can uh, take some innings occasionally. You would think, and uh, not kill you. If he's healthy now, if he if he's been healthy this whole year and still been pitching like this, well, that's we got things to worry about there. Uh, but he has been, he's cleared waivers, been placed on the disabled list. We'll see what's going on with Mike Lincoln. Uh, Josh Renicky came up, uh, pitched a scoreless inning in his first outing of the year. So um, he's a guy that's uh, got a pretty live arm. A lot of people have been thinking he's going to be a have a chance of being a pretty good uh, major league reliever. So we'll get another look at Josh Renicky this week. And that's sort of our three injured amigos there, uh, Encarnacion, Volquez, Vado, uh, hopefully all on the way back, on the mend. Uh, mentioning uh, Matt Maloney a moment ago and, and talking about how maybe be good for him to be kept in the bullpen when Volquez gets back. Uh, several guys could be moved down. You could move, send Renicky back down. You could send uh, Carlos Fisher down. Although he's, he's pitched, he, didn't, he had a rough outing again in that last out game against the Braves. But, uh, you know, ERA in the threes, he's, he's, been, he's been fine. Um, you can tell he's got some pretty good stuff, too. Um, but uh, when you're talking about pitchers, minor leagues, we, I'm just going to have to mention a couple of uh, a couple of our favorite uh, minor league pitchers at RedLegNation.com. Uh, one of those is one of our spotlight players, Matt Klinker. Matt Klinker, you know, has been on the disabled list for a little while and finally got back off the DL this week and had his first start against Clearwater on the 17th. And let me tell you something, it was, could not have been a better uh, return to the Sarasota rotation for Matt Klinker. Uh, he went five and two-thirds innings pitch, did not allow a single run, gave up four hits. And here's what, here's what I love, and here's why I think Matt Klinker's got a future in this organization. Uh, same with, with Matt Maloney, uh, similar uh, when you talk about the strikeout-to-walk ratio I'm getting ready to mention. Uh, Klinker struck out seven, walked zero. That's fantastic. Uh, really great work, Matt. We're all proud of you, Red Lake Nation, and uh, wish you future success. The other minor league pitcher that really we've got to mention is one Homer Bailey. Remember him? Uh, yeah, he had one rough start uh, in Cincinnati this year, but he has been lights out at AAA Louisville over the last little bit. He went seven, uh, or excuse me, eight innings, giving up uh, seven hits, no runs against Norfolk. Same day that his clinker had his good start, he struck out seven, walked only one, and uh, just it—it's a continuing run of good outings for Homer Bailey. His ERA is down to 2.83 now. I mean, it's really, really uh, just fantastic. I'm really happy 
that he's uh, pitching so much better. You know, there's been uh, some talk that he's picked up this split, split finger fastball, and that's what's been the the cause for a lot of his recent success. And uh, hey, it sounds great to me. I'm a big fan of that pitch. Uh, some people, you know, are concerned uh, about injury risks with that split finger, but uh, but Jeff Brantley, Reds announcer, will uh, will agree with Homer. That's a great out pitch if you can master it. But uh, but good for Homer. Three and zero in June. His ERA in June zero point two nine. Amazing. Um, you know, in his last in three of the four starts he's had in June, he's gone at least eight innings. Uh, you know, thirty strikeouts, five walks in, in the month of June. I mean, that's just outstanding. So let's hope uh, this Homer Bailey. You know, he looked good in the spring. He's looking good now in Triple A. Uh, he's close. He's close. Now, that's going to cause some issues because, frankly, the Reds have got, uh, when Volquez is healthy, five pretty good starters. You know, Micah Owings has an ERA of 4.5 in that fifth spot. And, you know, I'll take that. I think that's fantastic, especially when you consider that he hits uh, like he does. He has uh, only two fewer RBIs than Willie Tavares, who we'll get to in a moment. Um, but uh, Micah Owings We've got no complaints with him. So there's not really a whole lot of room in the rotation right now. But as we've seen with Volquez, always injuries uh, happening. And certainly Homer Bailey is looking like he's earning another shot at uh, the next spot start when it, when and if that ever happens uh, in the majors. I imagine they'll keep Maloney around until Volquez comes back. But then again, if Maloney struggles next time out and, and Homer continues to pitch well, who knows what will happen. be interesting to see how the Reds – address that, although Walt Jockley, our uh, intrepid general manager, his sort of default mode seems to be to just sort of wait and see. Uh, and there's some, truth be told, there's some value in that sometimes. Uh, the Reds are never as good as they seem when they're playing really well. They're never as bad as they seem when they're playing really poorly. And so you don't want to panic and, and do too many crazy things. But on the other hand, uh, you know, especially with some of these issues with Jockley not putting players on the disabled list and letting them miss a week and a half, just sort of riding out the string, hoping they'll get better, and, and causing Dusty Baker to have to play shorthanded. you got to question maybe uh, his Walt Jockety's uh, plan to sort of wait things out and, and to be slow on the trigger. Um, so, yeah, you can criticize it. or you, There's reasons to praise it as well. It's a, it's a mixed bag there, but uh, we'll see what happens if, when Volquez comes back. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they – they're going with 13 pitchers now, which is just crazy to start with. Um, especially considering how bad the offense has been and uh, the fact that Dusty could use another bat on the bench. Now, there's not a whole lot of Major League ready bats, frankly, on the bench. Um, so, or excuse me, in the minors. So, you know, maybe there's maybe they feel like there's nobody down there that can really uh, contribute. The last time they brought up a position player, it was our buddy uh, Wilkin Castillo, who uh, just, you know, uh, he's not a, he's not a Major League player. Um, he tries hard, but he's, I just don't think he's a, a major league caliber player. And I can recognize what's not a major league caliber player because I'm not one either. Um, I'm not even a little league caliber player. Although as the, as the joke goes, I wish I were playing the little league now. I'd, you know, kick everybody's butt. But, uh, anyway, interesting things going on down there. Now we've talked about, we always talk about Joey Votto and, and that's been one of our topics of conversation uh, leading off these podcasts, but really the item of conversation at RedLegNation.com and across the Reds blogosphere over the last week or so has been this, well, I, I call it the, the Dusty Baker disaster. Uh, Dusty Baker's continuing insistence on hitting the two worst hitters on the team, Willie Tavares and Alex Gonzalez, hitting them one-two in the lineup. It just it boggles the mind why 
Dusty Baker thinks that's a good idea to put literally the two worst players on the team in terms of ability to get on base. Why put them at the top of the lineup where, you know, you might want people to get on base in front of uh, Phillips and, and Jay Bruce and, and whoever else the Reds would have uh, hitting in the middle of that lineup, which is a pretty mixed bag with uh, Votto and Encarnacion out. But, but anyway, you know, uh, what to do about this uh, insistence by Dusty to, to put Tavares and Gonzalez at the top of the order? I just I can't get it. Willie Tavares is one for his last 46 at-bats. I mean, can you fathom that? One for his last 46. And guess how many walks he's taken in that time? Zero. The guy's only gotten on base one time in the entire month of June. And this is who Dusty's batting first. Uh, it's just, well, consider this. Remember how frustrated we all were last year with Corey Patterson. This was about the time of the season, actually, last year when, when Patterson was dropped to eighth in the lineup. And, and most of us said, look, if, if we've got to have Corey Patterson in center field and you bat him eighth, we're okay with that. Uh, it's not the best of, of all options, perhaps, but the guy is not a hitter. The thing about Corey Patterson is he busted his tail. He played good defense, uh, really tried hard. Uh, just he wasn't a major league caliber, hit, caliber hitter. And the Washington Nationals, Washington Nationals have just called him up to the majors, and they're finding out again that uh, the poor guy just is not a major league caliber hitter. Major league caliber athlete, no doubt. Defensively, uh, above average. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a situation where you could hide him in the eighth spot. Almost the same with Willie Tavares, but Dusty refuses to hit him anywhere but first or second. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's crazy. It's craziness. Uh, it's really one of the most frustrating things I've witnessed with the Reds in recent years. Uh, and, you know, it's not like Tavares is getting the job done in the field either. You know, we've seen him loaf after balls. He's made uh, errors. He's just... Uh, I don't know. You know, what do you say? What do you say about uh, about Willie Tavares? I know a lot of you guys have had some things uh, to say uh, in the comments at Red Leg Nation. Uh, someone noted that uh, in the last three weeks, uh, Willie Tavares is three for his last 91. I mean, how do you do that? You know, Micah Owings, literally, this is the guy batting ninth in the Reds lineup every five, every fifth day, literally is twice as good a hitter as Willie Tavares. Uh, you know, how often you hear that when you're talking about a leadoff hitter in the major leagues? Uh, just, it's it's crazy. And I, and I do know that a lot of you are as frustrated, more frustrated uh, than I am even. Uh, you know, and, and what's frustrating is not that Tavares is not performing. Tavares had an awful year last year. And some of you may remember that before the season, I really went out of my way to encourage everyone to give him a chance, you know, that the you know, just looking at some of his past numbers, thought he might have a chance to rebound. It was sort of half-hearted. Uh, you know, I, I was not a big fan of the signing, certainly not the fact that it was a two-year deal. I could maybe handle it if it were a one-year deal, just sort of holding the place down for um, Drew Stubbs, possibly, to come up from Louisville next year. Uh, but when you look at it, Chris Dickerson's on the bench. Chris Dickerson is better and cheaper. Okay, maybe he's not better. Maybe he wouldn't be better if he played every day. But he's not going to be any worse. And I think if you, a platoon of Tavares hitting against uh, left-handed hitters and Dickerson against right-handed hitters might be okay, especially since Dickerson's outstanding uh, defensive play in center field. Maybe that will spur, would spur Willie Tavares, who athletically should be able to do the job. He gets very poor jumps, and he's lazy out there sometimes, let's be honest. But, uh, you know, that might uh, might help Tavares a little bit. But, of course, 
Dickerson can't get off the bench. Dusty won't let him off the bench. And, and you know, Mark Sheldon, one of the Reds beat writers who has been a guest with us here on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast, he asked Dusty, you know, hey, is it time to move Willie Tavares out of the leadoff spot? And, you know, listen to this answer that Dusty Baker gave. Uh, you talk about boggling the mind. This just blows me away. Here's Dusty's quote. I don't know, Baker responded. You're asking me questions I really haven't had time to think about. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. You're asking me questions I really haven't had time to think about. Dusty Baker is the manager of a Major League Baseball team. All he has to do all day long is think about how to make this team perform better. You're telling me that he has a leadoff hitter who's three for his last 91, who is one for his last 47, I guess it is, actually. He was over five tonight. And is absolutely killing the team. I mean, we're talking about a 219 batting average. That's a number that Dusty Baker can understand. An on-base percentage from your leadoff guy, 270. Slugging percentage, 274. Your leadoff guy's OPS, 545. Hey, guess what? Corey Patterson's OPS at this time last year was better than Willie Tavares's. And Corey Patterson, we couldn't get rid of him fast enough. I feel bad for Patterson in retrospect. Uh, you know, I'd rather have Corey Patterson. How about that for a bold statement? I'd rather have Corey Patterson playing center field for the Reds than Willie Tavares if, if Dusty Baker's going to insist on batting Tavares at leadoff. Uh, it just, it does he hasn't had time to think about these things? Hasn't had time to think about who's the leadoff hitter? Either he's lying to protect uh, Tavares's ego, which is a possibility. That's that's one of the things Dusty does well. He you know he protects his players, and, but that's the, still about, just about the dumbest statement I've ever heard. It's just uh, it's unbelievable. Bless his heart. Well, you know, lest we talk about Willie Tavares too much. And we've been beating that one to death at the blog. I, I understand that, but it just—it's a situation there. I'm so frustrated; I just can't understand it. But then you got to look at Dusty in the last week has decided that it's a good idea to hit Alex Gonzalez second. Now I use "hit" uh, very loosely here. He's not done any hitting, but Alex Gonzalez, literally, uh, you know, the least productive shortstop in the major leagues. We can talk about his defense if you want. I'd love to talk about it. Uh, it's overrated, um, at best average. But even if you even if he were above average defender, listen to this: out of your second hitter, 214 average, 256 on base percentage, 559 OPS, 559. <laughs> we're talking about your top two hitters in the lineup. One has an OPS of 545 at the leadoff spot. The number two guy has an OPS of 5.59, and Dusty Baker hasn't had time to think about whether or not that might be a, one of the reasons why the Reds can't score runs. You know, you got Ryan Hannigan with an o, with a non-base percentage close to 400. You got uh, Chris Dickerson who's had a 3.70 in the 3.70s on-base percentage, um, and you know can't even get on the field. Dickerson can't get on the field. Willie Tavares is one of five Reds, only five Reds who have had enough at-bats to qualify for the batting title. Uh, he's not really in the running for that batting title, if you hadn't noticed, but but he's got, he's getting the at-bats. Dickerson, who is not a world-beater, and, you know, I was one of the ones leading the charge to get Dickerson out of left field earlier, um, but he's just not 
uh, he, he's better than Tavares. Let's say that. You know, he's again. I, I it's so frustrating um, to put one and two guys of these uh, of this ridiculously terrible caliber uh, leading off for the Reds and just killing them. I mean, just absolutely killing them every time uh, they get to the plate. It's just a you know, two guys on, strike out. Two guys on, Will Tavares can't lay the button down. It's all right, well, you know, I, and, and, and Gonzalez, again, his backup's Paul Yonish, who is not a world beater either. But Paul Yonish has demonstrated some on-base skills in the minors. He's had a three, round 350 on-base percentage this year. He's had six at-bats in the month of June. Played two innings in the last week. But Alex Gonzalez is so good, he gets to bat second. Come on, Dusty. All right, that's that's enough of me. I'm sorry for uh, filling your ears with all the same things we've been talking about at RedLegNation.com. Let's go ahead and jump into the uh, the encore presentation of Adam in Milwaukee. Now, what this is, if you if you hadn't heard it before, uh, last year, well, actually not last year, this was uh, 2006. Gosh, where's time going? You remember this guy named Adam Dunn? He used to be the left fielder for the Reds. Some of you may remember him. Hit a few home runs in his day, uh, about 40 a year for 15 straight years or something like that. Anyway, there was a rain delay one day, and Marty Brenneman, as always, hopped on the banana phone, took calls from uh, from listeners. Well, he got an interesting call in from someone named Adam from Milwaukee. Well, of course, it turns out it was Adam Dunn in the clubhouse using a really a hilarious voice uh, to call in. Just it, it's brilliant comedy. Adam Dunn is a comic genius, and not just because people think he looks like Will Ferrell, another comic genius. But anyway, here, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and hop right into Adam from Milwaukee. Uh, we now will go uh, to a good friend of ours from Milwaukee who is standing by on the phone. Hello. Hello. Hello, Marty. Yes. Marty. Yes. Marty, this is Adam. Marty. Yes. This is Adam from Milwaukee. Hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Do you, do you think Scott Hatterberg is a good player? Yeah. Hello. Marty. Marty. Yes, Adam from Milwaukee. Do you think Scott Hatterberg is a good player? Do you think he's a good player? I think he's overrated. Uh, who would you rather see play at first base? I can tell you're a big fan. I am. Um, maybe uh, Luke Stowe. That would you think that'd be an improvement? I think so. He's a little young. He's a little bit young, isn't he, Adam? Uh, no. <laughs> Is it still raining in Cincinnati? It's just about stopped, Adam. Do you have your shirt on? Uh, last I checked, I did. Yes. Why? Just curious. Uh, listen, I'm going to let you go now because I know that you're going to get your game face on because we're getting ready to go back on the radio shortly, and you'll be listening to every word. I love it. Have a good one, bro. Thanks, Adam. Nice talking with you. All right. Adam from Milwaukee. Yeah. Marty. That's fantastic. Uh, that's That's hilarious every time I listen to it. Every single time, that it, that's that's good stuff. 
Comedy gold. It's gold, Jerry. I tell you, it's gold. Now, this next one is not uh, going to be comedy, but we are going to sort of go back old school, back to 1948 this time. Now, you know, we've been focusing a little bit here lately at Red Lake Nation on the Reds' history because, look, you got to look back at this the history of this organization. It's outstanding. It really, there are very few organizations with a more interesting history, uh, and not just because we've been the Reds have been around for so long, but just it, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting players, a lot of a lot of interesting stories. And back in 1948, many of you, uh, hopefully all of you, know uh, Ewell Blackwell was a star pitcher for the Reds uh, back then. He's in the Reds Hall of Fame now, uh, nicknamed the Whip. Ewell Blackwell was a six-time All-Star for the Reds and really one of the greatest pitchers in Reds history. Well, what we're getting ready to bring you here today is, uh, I think it's uh, it's fascinating. I've got several of these uh, episodes uh, that I've listened to of the Dizzy Dean radio show. And, of course, Dizzy Dean was a nut job, but uh, it was sort of a funny uh, little, little, little radio show. Uh, this one's from September 11th of uh, 1948, and it features Reds uh, Hall of Famer Yule Blackwell. Uh, take a listen. This, we, we, we've presented this before at uh, Red Leg Nation, but it's been a, a few years, and it's not been as part of one of our Red Leg Nation radio podcasts, really. So I uh, wanted to go ahead and bring this to you. Yule Blackwell on, from the Dizzy Dean Radio Show. Well, here he is again, folks, Dizzy Dean. Brought to you by the makers of Johnson's Wax for Car New, the wax-fortified auto polish that cleans and polishes your car in one easy application. Howdy, folks. Frank, if it's all right with you, I got a short one about a great pitcher today, Ewell Blackwell of the Reds. Well, that's fine, Jerome. Folks, this is Frank Eschen, happy to give Dizzy Dean the cue to go quickly today into the anecdote department. So let's have that Ewell Blackwell story, Diz. I guess Blackwell is one of the toughest pitchers in the business when he's right, Frank. He really throws with a buggy whip motion. It looks like he's just handing the ball to the catcher. He powders him in so fast. Well, he was pitching against the Giants, and he was giving that New York team fits. Blackwell has one of the finest crossbar delivers i ever seen in any league, and he really had it working that day. You know how the crossbar works, Frank. You step off of the third base side of the rubber, and you stride toward the plate with a kind of a give on the third base side. That makes the ball go past you so funny at the plate it seems like it's going to land in the first base dugout. <laughs> well, Blackwell really had it working, and Jack Larky, the Giants' third baseman, was having all kinds of trouble. On the first pitch, Larky fell down the dirt, thinking the ball was going to hit him. But umpire Barr says, strike one. Larky was a little dazed, but he didn't say nothing. He just got up there again, and once more, Blackwell comes in with that same crossbar fast one, and down goes Larky again. And this time, Barr calls it again. Strike two. Larky gets up and dusts himself off and kind of turns to the umpire, Barr, and says, uh, George, well, them two pitches over the plate. And Barr says, yes, Jack, they were perfect strikes. They got at least six inches of that outside corner. That wasn't even close to being balls. And Larky's still dusting himself off, so nobody would think he was squawking to the umpire, says, George, will you tell me one thing? And Barr, who is one of the most politest umpires in the business, says, yes, Jack, what is it you wish to know? And Larky says, I wish you'd tell me, George, who's throwing them, Blackwell or the third baseman? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jerome, I believe you got at least six inches of the plate with that one. By the way, did you ever throw a crossfire when you were pitching? No, Frank, I never needed a crossbar when I had my high hard one. And when I lost that one, it was too late. 
Well, when do you know that high hard one isn't there anymore, Dizzy? The batters will tell you that, Frank. But you hate to admit it. I remember a game after I was with the Cubs. We was playing in the polo grounds, and one of them New York power hitters connects in the ninth inning with a couple of men on base. He hits one of my fastballs a country mile into the right field stands, breaking up the ball game. We have to catch an early train that evening, and I'm still thinking about it as we pull out of Penn Station. And a fresh rookie pitcher sits down next to me in the Pullman uh, and starts a conversation. He says, uh, Dizzy, uh, whatever become of your fastball? <laughs> did you keep your temper in that trying moment, Jerome? <laughs> yes, I did, Frank. I started to get hot, but I answered him uh, real polite. I says, uh, Sonny... You'll probably find it still bouncing around them upper right field seats at the polo grounds. <laughs> a very kindly way of handling a trying situation, Jerome. I'm proud of you. Now we come to the mailbag. Mrs. Dorothy O'Connor of Brooklyn wants you to pick an all-star major league team from the players you've seen in your career as a pitcher and as an observer from the radio booth. Boy, that's a large order. But I'll give it a try, Frank. Only I want some help from you and I want a little time. I've seen a lot of mighty fine ball players. Uh, let's pick that all-star team next Saturday. Well, I'm glad you're cautious, Jerome. I think it's a good idea to give that team some thought. And now from the mailbag, Mr. J. Donald Seidel of West Lawn, Pennsylvania, wants you to tell about an incident in the Bellevue Stratford Hotel in Philadelphia when you and a couple of your cardinal friends broke up the dignified quiet of that staid old hostelry with your antics. He remembers it had something to do with some sort of disguise the boys wore. Yes, I remember, Frank. Mr. Seidel must mean the time me and Pepper Martin and Heine Schublin had some fun. It was an off day in Philly, and while we was winter shopping, Pepper sees some overalls and striped caps to match. He says he has an idea, and before we know it, we each got overalls and one of them caps. <laughs> when we get back to the hotel, we change into the overalls and caps. Pepper bars a hammer and a yardstick and says, follow me. I think we'll have some fun. We went into a, the, to the dining room where some kind of meeting was being held. I think it was about uh, child welfare. A lot of uh, dignified old gentlemen was having dinner and making speeches. Well, Pepper had him move a couple of tables. He measured a space on the wall and says, that picture's got to come down. Then he starts hammering on the stove when the Chinese cook like to had a fit. Back into the dining room, and we gets into an argument about uh, what should be moved and what shouldn't during the, uh, move, uh, during the argument. Uh, Pepper holds up his hand near his big snozzle, and that's my cue. I haul off and hit his hand with the palm of my hand, and it looks like I scored a clean knockout. The youth welfare speaker quit his speech-making, and, and them that was eating their desserts all jumped to their feet to see the fight among us partners. <laughs> that's a rather rough way of playing, Jerome, breaking up a youth welfare meeting like that. Well, it wasn't so bad, Frank. About that time, somebody recognizes Pepper and says, uh... Them as cardinal ball players. And you know what? They took us up to the head table, and instead we tell them about the ball club and baseball. And so it all ended happily, eh? Yes, we was all happy, Frank, until we uh, spied a gentleman sitting over at the end of the head table. A gentleman we didn't know was there. And who was he, Jerome? Uh, Branch Ricky, Frank. <laughs> Nobody else. <laughs> what did he say? Just two words, Frank. He says, uh, I'm mortified. And when Mr. Ricky is mortified... You said it, Frank. Them cute little caps and them overalls went into the trunks and they didn't come out no more. You know, it's a wise man that knows uh, modified Mr. Ricky too much. And things were quiet on the old gas house gang for a while. Yes, I says to Pepper, uh, Johnny, it looks like we can't have no fun no more. 
You and me might just as well go fishing up to Novus Cocos. But you uh, still had your baseball and what you call your high hard one. And speaking of those youth welfare movements, Jerome, I suppose you frequently were called on to contribute your time and efforts in such programs. Yes, and you're always uh, glad to have, uh, after you did what you could, Frank, uh, while we was getting Mr. Ricky unmodified after that little Philadelphia incident, he told us he wanted us to visit a certain children's hospital as soon as we get back to St. Louis. And, of course, we said we would. Ah, that meant a lot to those kids, Diz. Yes, and uh, they asked you to do some pretty difficult things. Uh, like that day at the hospital in St. Louis, me and Pepper asked the kids if there was any little thing we could do for them. We figured maybe they'd uh, wanted love or a ball. But one little fella asked me if I'd really do something for him. All he wanted me to do was strike out Bill Terry that afternoon with the bases loaded. <laughs> a rather large order and dangerous, too. You said it. Why couldn't he have said uh, Johnny Burgess or Huey Kreitz? Well, how did it come out, Diz? Well, we got into the ninth inning, a run ahead, and uh, then with two outs, somebody gets a pop single and a pop double, and there's men on second and third. Uh, that brings up Huey Kreitz. I walks him on four pitches, and there's a commotion in the dugout. Frisch wants to know what's the big idea with Bill Terry coming up. But I explained to Frank after Kreitz's walk uh, that I promised them kids at the hospital I'd fan Terry with a bases filled. I get two strikes over the corner real quick. And then I walk in and tell Terry what I'm going to do. I said, Bill, I promised a kid at the hospital this morning I'd strike you out with the bases loaded. That's what I walked little Huey for. Bill, I, Bill, I says, uh, this one's going to be a fast one right through the middle. Bill, of course, didn't uh, think I, uh, don't think I'm crazy enough to do a thing like that. So what does he do? He takes that fast one. Right down the middle for strike three call. <laughs> Dizzy Dean, that sure is a new approach to the pitching problem. It makes striking a man out just about as easy as, well, as easy as cleaning your car with car new. And seriously, these days it is getting a lot easier to give your car a clean, polished, sparkling look. One reason is those new streamlined bodies that have become so popular. Those new cars don't have the corners and crevices the old ones had. And the other reason cars are getting easier to clean is Carnew, the wax-fortified auto polish. You see, Johnson's Carnew cleans and polishes your car, and it does it in one easy application. One application, and the chrome, the finish, the whole body of your car sparkles like a million. All you do is rub some Carnew on, let it dry to a white powder, and then wipe it off, and the job is done. And here's why it's so easy. There are five separate cleaning ingredients in Johnson's Carnew, and they cut right through the film of bugs, tree sap, oil, and tar that cling to the finish of your car, a film that water won't touch. But Carnew is more than a cleaner. It's a wax-fortified polish, too, that leaves your car with a really brilliant luster. Now, when this program is over, why not stop in at your service station or other Johnson dealer and get some Johnson's wax-fortified Carnew? Use it today, and tomorrow, ease down the driveway in a car with a real Sunday shine. Okay, Jerome, now it's time for Coach Dizzy Dean. And what advice have you today for baseball-minded young America? I hope this will help the boys improve their game, Frank. Last week, I suggested that boys do all they could to find some old-time ball player to coach them, to learn them how to play the game right. Well, I realize they all can't do that right away. So here's a suggestion. Go to as many professional ball games as possible. If you live near a big league city, so much the better. But the minor league clubs have good smart managers, too. 
And when you watch a ball game, pick out the man who plays your own favorite position. If you're a first baseman, watch the first baseman on both clubs. See where they play with nobody on base. See how they shift when a runner is on first. Notice how they shift after their runners on first and second. So the man on first ain't likely to steal. Notice how they shift to take throws. If you're a second baseman or a shortstop, watch your players taking throws. If you're a pitcher, watch how the pitchers stand, how they throw to the bat bases. Boys, if you'll just keep your eyes open, you can learn a lot from good ball players by watching them do things. Then go out and practice doing it the big league way. Well, that's sound advice for youngsters and for all of us, Jerome. And now in a less serious vein, how about an anecdote or two, huh? All right, Frank. Uh, how about a story about that great catcher, Jimmy Wilson? Mm, that sounds good, Jerome. Proceed. This one about Jimmy Wilson shows how smart he was at making other people smart. You know, I thought pretty well of my fastball, Frank, when I could throw it. I didn't like to have anybody suggest that any batter in the whole world could hit my fastball. But every time we'd play Brooklyn, Jimmy Wilson would warn me up about warn me about these hitters, and uh, one day he says, Dizzy, don't throw that Cuccinelli a fastball. He'll murder it. I kept arguing that Cuccinelli couldn't hit my fastball. Then one day we got about a 10-run lead on the Dodgers in their own ballpark, and when Cuccinelli come to the plate in, the, in about the seventh inning, Jimmy Wilson walks out to the mound. He says, Diz, you think Cuccinelli can hit your fastball? Let's try. Just throw that hard one in there and see what happens. Well, I go one pass, Tony, but the next one, in, he hit for um, four miles over the left field seats. Boy, I'll bet it's still going. Well, what did Wilson say to that, Diz? He didn't say nothing, Frank. I walks uh, in to get a new ball from Bill Flynn, the umpire, and I says to Wilson, Jimmy, I reckon you're right. Uh, that ball uh, Cuccinelli hit was no change of pace. <laughs> well, now, Diz, it's time for your baseball fans to be catching what you have to say about the big league picture. So start pitching, Dizzy Dean, the reporter. Frank, have you a real good friend in the hotel business in Boston? Well, yes, I think I know Mr. Boniface or two, Jerome, but why do you ask? Call Ryder War right away, Frank. See if you can get a reservation for about seven days starting the 5th or 6th of October. That's World Series time. It looks right now as if we'll see the whole show in Boston this year. An all-Boston World Series, eh, Mr. Dean? Yes, it looks more and more that way, Frank. The Yankees are two and a half games behind the Red Sox, and they missed their big chance in the series that closed yesterday. I believe the Red Sox are about in. The Braves are in pretty good position, too. They haven't got the advantage in the la loss column that the Red Sox got, but they'll be playing at home, and they're five games ahead of Pittsburgh on the win side. That's money in the bank for Billy Southworth. Them games already has been won. Well, uh, who's going to give the Braves the hotter challenge, according to your crystal ball, Jerome? Well, Frank, the Pirates are only one game behind in the uh, lost column, and I like that Pittsburgh club. Some people are calling the Pirates a team of discards, but I can't see that. Bill Meyer, who is doing a fine job of managing, has a good outfield, a fast infield, and two fine catchers. The next Eastern trip will tell the story for Pittsburgh, and, and it's harder to win on the road than at home. Yes, that's certainly right, Diz. Now there's one other club I'd like to ask you about. How about Brooklyn? The Dodgers will be at home entertaining the Western clubs, Frank. They're tough in their own ballpark. But I still like the chances of the Red Sox and the Braves. Uh, better get in touch with that uh, Boston hotel man, Frank. That I will, Diz. I'll get a wire off to Boston right away. And folks, we hope you'll be right back with us at the same time next week to listen to Dizzy Dean. 
He's brought to you by Johnson's Car New, the wax-fortified auto polish that cleans and polishes your car in one easy application. Car New cleans when you rub it on, penetrates the sticky road film that water won't touch. Johnson's Car New polishes when you wipe it off, gives your car a bright, sparkling luster from taillight to front bumper. Car New is easy to get. Your service station owner and other dealers have it. It's easy to use because, remember, to give your car that Sunday shine, rub it on, wipe it off, is all you do with Johnson's Car New. And this is old Diz. Hope all you folks from the stands this time next Saturday, I'll be pitching them across again for Johnson's Car New. This is Frank Eschen saying goodbye until next Saturday for the makers of Johnson's Wax Fortified Auto Polish Car New. This program came to you from KSD St. Louis. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. All right, that'll do it uh, for this week's edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Sort of a blast from the past episode of uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. As always, if you've got any questions or concerns or comments, send those to radio at redlegnation.com. Really interested to hear any suggestions you might have for improving the podcast. You can also always put those in the comments section at uh, redlegnation.com. Mentioned it already, but go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, uh, and and keep informed of what's going on in Red Leg Nation Radio with the Orion tab, Orion Radio tab at the top of redlegnation.com. All right, well, it's been another fun fun episode this week. Thanks to all of you for uh, out there in the nation for joining us again this week. And uh, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.